All right. So, it is the last day of 2017. Hard to even believe it. Hard to even believe it. But for some of us, it's like, finally, it's the last day of 2017. So I feel like some of us have probably had like a t really tough year. Um, my, my wife loves memes. I don't know if you know what a meme is, but it's basically a short video with words over it. And she, lo she loves memes. Like, she probably spends 20 minutes a day looking at them. And I found this meme that might perfectly sum up how some of our 2017s went. Yeah. So even the internet people have had tough years. Um, the funny thing is, when I found this, there's one for like every year ever. And I think that that's part of the excitement of the new year is that you know, we, we throw these parties and we ring in the new year with all of our friends and we stay up till midnight. We get so excited about the new year. I think one of the big reasons is because we get to put the old year behind us. And, and we have this hope that maybe in this new year, things are going to be different. Like maybe in this new year, my life will look a little different than it did last year. Maybe in this new year, man, I can hope that, gosh, things go a little better for me. And like Tim was saying, whether, whether it be something that, that I'm putting my heart in that I shouldn't be, or whether it's stuff that's just happening to me, we have this hope that maybe the new year will bring something good. And that's kind of what we are going to be talking about this morning, is where are we putting our hope? Um, when I was a kid, we did this trip every year. Am I a little echoey? We did this trip every year to Newport Beach, California. Um, and I, I loved it. It was like my favorite trip that we did. And every summer, we went out there for a week, Newport Beach. My dad played in this golf tournament. And we would spend every day out on the ocean. I would spend every day out there on the water all day. I just love being in the water. I love the waves. I love the sand. The only thing I don't like is the sunburn. And so you know, I always had my swim shirt on. That's how you knew I was cool. And uh, <laughs> I was out there in the water all day, every day. And one year, I remember when I was 13, I spent all day out in the water on my boogie board. Um, that's also how you knew I, I was cool. I didn't surf, I boogie boarded. And uh, I spent all day out there on my boogie board. And I came in and I handed my mom the boogie board and I was like, hey, I'm gonna go back out, I'm gonna do some body surfing. My parents kind of hated it when we body surfed because my dad broke his neck body surfing like a few years before that. He's totally fine now. Um, but, but it, you know, it was pretty bad. He had to get surgery, and, and so they, they don't really like it. But I was 13, and so I wasn't going to listen to anyone. Uh, you know, I was the smartest kid in the room at all times. And so I went out into the water, and as I was swimming out, I remember thinking, I'm not going to stick around where the little waves are. Like, I've been riding my boogie board on these little dinky waves that crash near the shore. I'm going out to where I've seen the surfers out there, like where those big waves are, where they crash way out off the shore. And so I decided I'm going to swim all the way out there. I swim, I swim, I swim. I get way, way out in the ocean, and now I'm waiting. And, and like five minutes go by, six minutes go by, seven minutes go by, eight minutes go by. I'm waiting for that perfect set. And as I'm waiting, I'm starting to think, this was probably a mistake. Like, this <laughs> was not a great idea because I'm just out here treading water. I can't touch the ground. I'm, I'm completely exhausted at this point. Uh, I've been treading water for 10 minutes. No waves have come. And I'm just wasting my day out here in the deep ocean. And as I'm thinking that, 
I get to this point where I think, okay, I'm just going to swim in. This is it. I'm just going to swim in. And I take a kick, and all of a sudden I feel something, like this sharp pain in the back of my leg. And I know what you're thinking. It's a shark, for sure. <laughs> it wasn't. Uh, I got this terrible cramp down the backside of my right leg. I don't know if you've ever woken up in the middle of the night with a cramp in like your calf or your hamstring, and your toes are like crossed over like you're <laughs> 300 years old, and, and like it's the most. That's how I felt in the water. Like the most pain. I thought for sure I was gonna die. I'm out there holding my leg, thinking, okay, I probably can't get in now. Like I can't swim in anymore. The the current is kind of strong, and I don't know how I'm gonna swim without a leg. Um, <laughs> maybe they'll send someone out for me. And uh, as I work up the courage to start swimming back in, I take a kick and my other leg locks up the same way. And at this point, you know, I, I haven't drinking any water all day. I, and both my legs are locked up and I'm floating out in the middle of the ocean on my back thinking, this is a, this is a huge mistake. I could, I could just float away out here. And as I'm thinking that, all of a sudden I see a wave curling over my head. And that perfect set showed up, just like I was hoping it would. And as that first wave curled over me, it turned me upside down. It was like I was just in a washing machine cycle. I had no idea which way was up. I'm starting to freak out, starting to panic, you know, thrashing in the water. Finally, I find the surface. And as I find the surface, the second wave rolls in, hits me, turns me over again. And I'm under the water at this point thinking, there's no way. Like, I'm, ne I'm never going to get another breath. I'm never going to get back to, you know, you, you start thinking, like, worst case scenario, I'm going to die out here for sure. There's no way that I'm going to make it back. There's no, there's no hope for me anymore. You're going to have to wait to the end to find out if I live or not. <laughs> but the question I want to ask is, have you guys ever felt this way emotionally, spiritually? Felt like, man, I'm just drowning here. I'm just sinking, and there, there's no hope. This feeling that, man, I am just moments away from total disaster. I just can't keep struggling anymore. I can't keep pushing. I'm on the edge of this is just too much spiritually. It's too much emotionally. There's too much going on in my life. I'm exhausted. I think you know, any of us who are over the age of 12 have probably hit that place at least once. We've hit that place where we just feel like, man, I cannot keep pushing. This is just so tiring. I, so much has happened. I'm just turned upside down, and I can't catch my breath. So today we're looking at a song, really, from the Book of Psalms. And this, Psalms are essentially just songs. And this psalm is, is one of the Psalms of Ascent. Um, it's Psalm 130. And the Psalms of Ascent are essentially a playlist of, of songs that the Jewish people would sing on their way to Jerusalem every year for the yearly feast. They would make their way to Jerusalem every year, and this was like the jam out playlist that they would listen to, on the go playlist. Um, this song, Songs of Ascent. And Psalm 130 is right in the middle of that playlist, and it is just filled with emotion. It's packed with emotion, and that's what makes a good song, right? We don't want to listen to a song talking about, like, and I woke up this morning, and I drank coffee, and then I headed to work. 
And I came home from work and got to bed nice and early. That is, that is the worst song I've ever heard. We, we love songs that just like pull this emotion out of us. We love songs that talk about heartbreak and love and because it connects to something deep within us, it connects uh, with the emotion that's within us. And so this song, um, it, it begins with this very metaphor that we've been talking about. The psalmist who is most likely David, um, he sings this first part. He says, out of the depths I cry, O Lord. He's saying it, it feels, I'm in the depths. The, the depths, you know, could be talking about a sea or an ocean. I'm, I'm drowning here, God. And so what we're going to read is really a guide of how not to drown in our soul, how not to sink in our soul. Uh, and if you've never felt this, this sinking feeling, if you've never felt like you are just going to be submerged by the challenges and difficulties of life, it's probably going to come some, at some point. If you don't feel like it right now, it's probably going to come at some point because we're living on earth. And guess what? Life is hard and there's real difficulties and there's real drama and there's real crisis and there's real pain. And most of us have felt that weight, the weight of life, the, the weight of the pain of life. Most of us have carried that weight and felt like, man, can I even keep going under this weight? And so um, I'm going to pray, and we're going to get into it. Lord, I just ask that this morning uh, you would open our ears to hear what you have for us. Open our eyes to see what you want us to see, Lord. I pray that anything that's not of you would not come out of my mouth. In your name we pray. Amen. So the Apostle Peter, one of Jesus' best friends, um, he knew what it, was, what it felt like to sink. Uh, a lot of you probably know this story, but right after Jesus feeds the 5,000, he sends his disciples out ahead of him. He says, you guys hop in the boat and I'll catch up with you. I'm sure the disciples are thinking like, dude, we're getting on a boat. It's like, not like you can just jog out there and catch up with us. But they, they get on the boat and they head out anyway and Jesus heads up a mountain to pray. And while the disciples are out on the boat, it starts to get windy, and it starts to get a little choppy, and it starts to get a little stormy out there. But these guys are pros. They're fishermen. Things are going good, but, but it's kind of like one of those windy, stormy nights. And in the middle of the night, all of a sudden, they see this figure that comes walking out on the sea. And they, at this point, I'm thinking, they're, gonna, they're panicking. Like, this is it for us. There, there's someone that's walking on the water towards us. Like, we're done. That we know that it's Jesus, and Jesus calls out to the disciples, and he says, guys, it's me. It's me, it's Jesus. And Peter responds to Jesus, and he says, Lord, if that's you, tell me to come out of the boat with you. As I read the story, I'm like, why did Peter do this? Yeah. Like that is, that's like the last thing I would do, is say, Jesus, let me, let me get out of the boat too. This sounds fun. <laughs> and so Peter... He hops out on the boat, and in my mind, and I feel like in movies, we've seen this scene, and we always imagine it with like this perfect mirror lake that is just like perfectly flat, and there's nothing going on, but, but we forget that there's a storm happening, that there's wind and waves, and so he's not just walking on, on water, he's walking on the ocean, like the waves of the ocean, the, the white water that's crashing, he's walking on it. 
And so he gets out there and he's walking on the water and he starts to look at the wind, he starts to look at the waves, and says he becomes afraid and he begins to sink. And as he sinks, Jesus reaches out his hand and he grabs him and he pulls him up and he says, you of little faith, why do you doubt? Why do you doubt? If I'm Peter in this situation, I think I'm going to have a freak out. Like, look around, Jesus. What do you mean, why do I, do you not see the wind? Do you not see the waves? Do you not see what's going on? Do you not see the things that are happening in my life? Do you not see the struggles that I'm having in my family? Do you not see how, how my financial situation is falling apart? Do you not see that I'm dealing with anxiety every day? Do you not see that my life is falling apart? This is probably what's going through the head of David as he writes Psalm 130. This idea that I'm drowning here, God, and I need you. What do you mean, why do you doubt? The psalm is going to capture for us this journey of, of how we move from this place of panic to this place of, of contentment in Christ. And so we're going to start that journey of how not to, to sink in our souls. It's a four parts to it. They all start with W because it's church, and that's how you remember things. And so uh, part one, it's verses one and two. This is how it goes. Out of the depths I cry to you, O Lord. O Lord, hear my voice, which is to say, do you hear me, God? Do you hear what I'm saying? Let your ears be attentive to the voice of my pleas for mercy. I want to get across the emotion that's in here. As you know, you can look up here, you can see there's exclamation points at the end of every little phrase. I didn't add those in, that, that was in the Bible, because this wasn't meant to be read like, out of the depths, I cry to you, O Lord. O Lord, hear my voice. Let my ears be attentive to the voice of your pleas for mercy. It wasn't meant to be read like that. It was almost meant to be shouted. It was meant to be sung at the top of your lungs. Lord, hear my cries for mercy. It's this idea of, do you even hear me, God? Do you, do you, do you see what I'm going through? Do you, are you even aware of the situation I'm in? It's bad. I, I feel like I'm sinking, and without you, I'm sunk. It's a great way to open a song. It's passionate. It's the real stuff of life. To really, it's a picture of prayer. David's giving us a picture of prayer here. He's just being honest with God. I've had students before that will tell me they don't know how to pray. I say, hey, can you pray for us? And they'll say, I don't really know how to pray. And at those moments, I'm like, I, I know you know how to pray because I've talked to you before. And you've told me about your life. And you've told me about the things that are hard, and you've told me about the things that are good, and that's prayer. That's all it is, is this honesty with God. It's this, this raw, this is what I'm going through. And so this first W that we're talking about is wailing. This is where it begins. This is where the journey of how not to sink in your soul begins. It begins with this is where I am. It's admitting to yourself, admitting to God, admitting to others. I don't have it all together. Things are tough for me right now. This is me and this is where I am, God. 
it's where the journey starts, but it not, it's not where it ends. He continues on and he says, If you, O Lord, should mark iniquities, O Lord, who could stand? But with you there is forgiveness that you may be feared. So he starts with, this is where I am. But then he moves and he begins to say, but God, this is who you are. He goes from wailing now to worship. He says, God, you're not like Santa Claus. You're not keeping the record of my rights and wrongs and using that against me. No, no, no. He says, you don't keep a record of my iniquities. In fact, when I get you, I get forgiveness. Every time I get forgiveness, past, present, future, if I get you, there's forgiveness. And he says, it's, it's forgiveness that you may be feared. You may be feared. I think th this word fear, I think of, uh, you know those movies where there's like two high schoolers and there's a nerdy boy who's kind of standing in the hall and he watches a girl from across the hallway. And there she is, she, you know, obviously she's got a ponytail that she has to shake out in the middle of the hallway. <laughs> and he's just watching her, it's in slow motion, and he, she, she kind of walks up to him and she says, hey, how's it going? And he's sitting there like, about to pee his pants, shaking in his shoes. And he's, uh, 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 hey, how's, how's, how's it going? Like, just totally fearful, right? Because the girl is so beautiful, she's fearfully beautiful. This is kind of what is being talked about here, that God is so forgiving, he's fearfully forgiving. It should make us shake in our boots how amazing his forgiveness is. So, so David, he, he starts with his eyes down here, looking at his life, looking at his circumstances, and he begins to move them upwards. He begins to start to look at God. But the song progresses again. It started with, I'm in it deep, but wow, God, you, you're pretty awesome. And you're so forgiving. You don't keep records of wrongs. And then he says, I wait for the Lord. My soul waits and in his word, I hope. My soul waits for the Lord more than watchmen for the morning. More than watchmen for the morning. So he's started with wailing, saying, this is who I am. This is what's going on in my life. To worshiping, saying, this is who you are, God. You're forgiving and you're good. You're loving. To now waiting saying, you know what, I, I do know you're good. I do know you're forgiving. And I better keep my eyes peeled because you're going to show up. You are going to show up. I hate waiting. I, I literally hate waiting. I'm one of those terrible people who like, doesn't like Disneyland because to me, the happiest place on earth is not waiting in lines all day. I don't know if anyone else is like that, but for people who love Disneyland, I'm like, you're probably going to leave right now. Uh, but but that's, that's me. I just, like, hate waiting. I'm super impatient, um, especially when it comes to driving. Uh, I play it cool most of the time, but uh, when I'm driving, I, I start to lose it a little bit. And I'm going to show you a video in a second of me freaking out. Wait, don't play yet. We're probably going to need some volume. I'm just going to warn you. I thought about not showing this video, 
because it's, it's raw, it's me. <laughs> but I thought, if you can't be transparent at church, where can you be transparent? So take a, a little look. Sin is affecting me now because they're so selfish that they couldn't get out of the left lane and might make it in the left lane. <laughs> All right. So I wish I could say that I was like 100% joking in that video. Like you see, I have a smile on my face. Truth is, I was like 98% serious. <laughs> There's like a 2% of me that knew what I was saying was crazy, but I was like in such inner turmoil that I, I literally said, this guy's, this guy's sinning. He, he's, he's ahead of me in the left lane and he won't get out of the left lane and I'm starting to freak out because I hate waiting so much. Don't judge me on that. But I, I don't know what it is. Maybe it's because I'm a millennial and you know I've always had fast food and fast information and fast transportation. I've never had to wait for anything. Like I have no idea what waiting, you know, two hours for a meal is like because I can go pop one in the microwave for thirty seconds and, and it tastes pretty good. Um, and so I, I just hate waiting. But throughout Scripture, there is this this idea of waiting on the Lord. And the men and women of God throughout Scripture wait on the Lord because they know what they're waiting for is worth the wait. They know what they're waiting for is worth the wait. And, and he says, I will wait on the Lord more than watchmen for the morning. Now, what do you think? 2,000 years ago, you are in Israel, you're, you know, in the Middle East, you come to this city with a giant wall around it, and on the wall, there's a guy, and the guy is a watchman, and you might know by the, the title, the watchman watches, that's what he does on the wall, he stands up there, he looks out, and he makes sure that there's no invading forces coming, there's, he's just trying to make sure that everything is cool, everything's okay, and I want you to imagine, you walk up to the wall, you look up, and you say, hey, watchman, what, what are the chances that the sun uh, comes up tomorrow? The watchman would look at you and say, I, I, I don't even know. What, you, what are you saying? Like, are you, are you a crazy person? No, no, no. I'm just wondering, what, what's, like, give me a percentage chance that morning comes. The watchman would say, it's 100%. The, the morning always comes. See, watchmen don't watch and wait for the sunrise, hoping that maybe it'll come. They watch and wait, knowing that the darkness is going to give way to the light, knowing <laughs> that the sun is going to come up over the mountains at some point. See, David is saying, this isn't going to last forever. This isn't going to last. I know that God shows up. As sure as the sun rises, God is going to show up. So he's gone from wailing, saying, this is where I am. This is who I am. This is what's going on in my life, Lord. To, to this is who you are, though. And, and because of who you are, I know that you're going to show up. I know that you're going to sh show up. And he ends with verses 7 and 8, and he says this. He says, O Israel, hope in the Lord 
For with the Lord there is steadfast love, and with him is plentiful redemption. And he will redeem Israel from all his iniquities. If you would have just read the first line and the last line, you would be like, what happened here? This, this doesn't even make sense to me because he's moved from wailing just, just in total brokenness about his life to worshiping, saying, God, but you are awesome and you are forgiving and you are good, to waiting, saying that you know, God is going to show up because I know who he is, to now witnessing to now, he, he, he's talking to the whole country of Israel now. He's talking to all the people. And he's saying, you know what? I know I'm not the only one. I know I'm not the only one who goes through hard times. He's saying, Israel, take it from me. Put your hope in the Lord. He, he's going to redeem you. He's going he's gonna to fix the brokenness. This is something I don't want us to miss. Because I think so often we can... We'll hear sermons about how we ought to fix our eyes on Jesus. Or we'll hear sermons about how we ought to wait on the Lord. But I think there's, there's a piece to this witnessing that also heals the brokenness. See, in the sharing of, of his life, in, in him saying, you know what, I've gone through it. And I've, and I've cried out to God. And I've had terrible times. And God showed up. In him sharing that, he continues the healing that's happening in his life. In eight verses, he goes from broken and angry and my life stinks to I'm going to tell everyone how great God is. Isn't God awesome? Isn't God amazing? I think what's truly amazing, the whole time, nothing in his circumstances has changed. Nothing at all has changed on the outside for David as he's writing this. But everything has changed on the inside. The gospel is, is transforming him. He's, he's transformed by the love of God. That's a soul that just won't drown. It's a, a soul that stays afloat. That's a soul that, that swims. Something divine happens to David here when he goes from brokenness to proclaiming God's goodness. And, and I think it's something that can happen in us, too. And I wish I could say that this is like a process you can go through once and then just kind of land at the end and, and everything's good and life is awesome and you're golden from there. But what happens is this process happens over and over and over. And you can't just say, okay, I'm going to spend one hour wailing, one hour worshiping, <laughs> one hour waiting, and one hour witnessing, and then... It'll be done. I'll be good. The truth is, it could take weeks, it could take months, it could take years, depending on the storms that you're going through. But there's hope. So I'm out in the ocean. You don't know if I drown or not. <laughs> I'm out in the ocean thinking I'm underwater, panicking, flailing. Somehow I get to the, the surface again. And as I get to the surface, I don't know if it's the adrenaline, I don't know if it's just the fear that's driving me, but I forget about the pain in my legs, and I see the third wave is coming, and I think, this is it, like, this is my shot. I need to lean into this wave, I need to paddle a few times, and I just need to catch this wave, and it'll take me in. And that's what happens, I catch this wave, this last wave, it brings me basically all the way into the beach. 
And as I'm kind of standing there in the ankle-deep water, looking back out, I kind of think, like, man, I don't know if I ever thought I'd see the ocean from this side again. Like, I don't, I don't think like I'd be back with my feet on solid ground. I never thought that I wasn't going to drown. I felt like it was going to last forever when I was in it. I think that's how life works. So when we're, when we're in it, when we feel like we're drowning, it feels like, man, am I ever going to get back? Am I ever going to be back to the place where my feet are on solid ground again, where I'm not drowning anymore? But when we lean into God, when we, when we fix our eyes upon him, that's what happens. And maybe that's something that is going on in your life right now. I, I don't know. Maybe you've had a great year, and this doesn't, make, doesn't connect with you at all. Maybe you're having a terrible year. But either way, you're in the right place because there is a God, and he is real, and he is alive, and his track record is perfect. If you hope in him and fix your eyes on Jesus, he'll transform you from the inside out. Um, we're going to have the band come back up. And as we do, um, we're about to go into a time of communion. And we've been taking communion pretty much every week. And really what communion is, it's the gospel. It's what we've just heard from David it's God forgiving us. It's, it's the fact that God was so awesome that he looked at us and he, and he said, you know what, I love you so much that I'm willing to shed my blood for you. I love you so much that I'm willing to break my body for you so that you don't have to go through that. And that's, that's what transforms. That's what takes us from despair to joy. That's what takes us from brokenness to proclaiming God's goodness, the gospel. So as we eat uh, the bread and, and partake of the juice, um, what we're really doing is we're remembering. We're remembering that Jesus died for us because he loved us and that he's forgiven us. Let's pray. Lord, I just pray that you would help us to fix our eyes on you. That we would begin to put our hope in you. Or this last year, whatever's happened, whether it be stuff that we brought upon ourselves with our sin or whether it be things that just happened to us, Lord, we want to take our eyes and begin to fix them on you. Or we know that you can transform you can make old things new. In this new year, we, we don't put our hope in, in a date that changes. We put our hope in you, that you transform, that you change us. We love you, God. In your name we pray. Amen.